0: understand that uh, the king james translation is just that it's a translation of the original language so jesus didn't speak in king james english right Uh, and people have small wars fought on the king james translation as if it's was given to us by the lord jesus himself you know handed down from from heaven and on the wings of angels and i mean it's you know i like it of course i preach from it but um um you know it was 1600 years after jesus left when they when they translated it the king james translation uh, and so to think that uh, there had not been other translations before that there were other good translations before that not many because that was about the time that they started translating things in england because before that it was actually against the law to translate the bible into english right people like william tyndale were martyred and killed because he translated he dared to translate the bible into into english now, can you imagine that uh, you know, these were all, and killed, who killed them? The church killed them. It wasn't, you know, there was no, no uh, secular laws about that necessarily. I guess the king probably uh, uh, encouraged that, but uh, it was the church that persecuted and killed uh, Tyndale because they had a monopoly on, on information. Uh, they would teach all of their um, church services in Latin. Uh, and and even when they were doing that, it was still a dead language. Nobody was speaking Latin except for the priests uh, in the churches. And so that way, I mean, if I just came up here and spoke an entire service to you in Latin, how much information would you get out of that? What would you get out of it? Would you get anything out of it? you get nothing out of it. So that way, nobody can grow in faith, right? And, and that was really the whole purpose of that is we can't have all this riffraff, you know, growing in faith. You know, that would be, uh, that'll be out of control. So uh, they, they controlled all that. And so, But the Lord started moving on, and if you look at that time period, you know, uh, the late 1500s, early 1600s, it was uh, an amazing amount of spiritual progress in the church, and then really, if you go to the 1700s, there was uh, so many different translations that came about, Uh, and even in 1800s, you know, people were just wanting more of the Word of God, and so it's a real revival as far as disseminating the the Word of God to people, so, um, and all that's just church, church history. Uh, but it's, uh, it's interesting to see how we got to where we are today. Amen? Uh, and so let's pray, and we'll, and we'll get into the Word tonight. So, Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for blessing us and being good to us each and every day. Father, we thank you for the precious Word of God. We thank you, Father, that the Spirit of God grants unto us wisdom, revelation, insight into your Word, that he's the, he's the teacher, the instructor, the, the giver of insight. And so, Father, we depend entirely upon him. We thank you for him, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name amen let's open up our bibles to the book of philippians we'll continue there today so uh we're moving right along to chapter three right uh we we uh, read verse one and um uh, in fact i think it would be good just to read verse one again and it says uh, finally brethren uh, finally my brethren rejoice in the lord to write the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous but for you it is safe Uh, we've talked a lot about about that but um you know uh, you should always check your own heart if if uh, a minister opens up to the Bible, to any verse, you know, and your eyes roll back in the back of your head. might want to check that because uh, if you don't want to hear the same thing a second time, then, uh, you know, what, what's the issue there, right? Or, uh, you know, later on, Paul talks about people having itching ears. Uh, and the issue with that is they want to hear something new, right? They want to hear something different. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of pressure on ministers if they, if they accept the pressure, right? If they accept that, that need that people are, I need something new. And if you don't give me something new, I'm going to leave and go somewhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that's really what people do oftentimes is, is they'll uh, either directly or indirectly put pressure on the ministers that, you know, if you don't perform the way that I expect you to, I'm going to leave. And if, and if ministers are subject to that, or allow themselves to be subject to that pressure, they will, they will change and they will yield and they will uh, compromise really the word of God or whatever they're doing either speaking the Word of God or, or, you know, not talking about certain subjects or about talking about other subjects, certain things, you know, or proving of certain uh, sins that they shouldn't. You know, there's a lot of things that go on. Uh, and, um, you know, for me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm really not under any pressure. I don't, I don't ever feel any pressure because to me, if the Word of God is there and I read the Word of God, you know, if people are offended by that, that's not really on me. Now, I can say things that will intentionally offend people, but I, I choose not to do that. I have no interest in doing that. But just sometimes reading the Word of God will offend people, right? Uh, and, you know, if you, if certain subjects, right? I mean, you know, for a lot of people, if you talk about marriage or children or money, you know, one of those three topics, you know, somebody's going to get mad, right? You just close your eyes and throw, throw the rock out there and somebody's going to yelp, right? And, uh, hey, how dare you talk about that, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, so it doesn't matter, right? Uh, you're, uh, so what do you do as a minister, right? Do you do nothing about it? Do you, do you avoid all those subjects, you know? One of the things I love about doing a verse-by-verse study is you just can't skip over it. Now, you could, I guess, you know, act like it wasn't there. But it's hard to skip over verses if you're doing a verse-by-verse study. So you have to address it. Now, you know, if there's, you know, some verses that talks about how long your hair is, right, for men. Well, there's literally one or two verses in the whole Bible. So how much time should we devote to that one verse? Well, not much, right? Uh, but is it in there? Well, sure it is, right? So should you address it? Well, I think you should address it, right? And, and the way you address it is, Uh, how many men are trying to look like women i mean that's that's the issue right it's not you know it doesn't say if your hair is 3.5 inches or longer that uh, that you're wrong right because i mean uh it just depends on on times and seasons right you know uh i know when i was growing up uh, in the 70s 70s was a travesty for all 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 things of style and in fashion right i mean the dark ages right but uh Uh, I was too young to be involved in that, but I saw my older brothers, uh, and mostly my brothers involved in that. I don't remember the women being as as far out there as the men, but you know, the men had long hair, right? Remember the 70s long hair? I didn't have long hair in the 70s, but uh, uh, because every every summer, uh, I'm the youngest, right? So there's me, and then there's two twin brothers immediately older than me, right? They're a year and a half older than me. So every summer, uh, my mom would shave our heads off, right? We looked like, you know, prison uh, members of the prison gang or something, you know, uh, and, and, and we were all dressed like, we weren't triplets, but we were dressed like triplets, all shaved our heads, you know, and, and uh, I mean, we did look like, you know, like prison, prisoners, you know, of war or something, and, and um, so you never could get caught up, right, and so by the time the next summer came around, was, you know, it's all gone again, right, so, uh, but I remember my brother's, you know, long hair, big, remember big collars, right? I mean, if you jumped off a, off a building, you'd, you'd float, right? You know, just you know, big, big lapels and flowers, you know, bell-bottoms, remember bell-bottoms, right? Um, I mean, there should have been a lot, right? But, uh, um, so uh, they had long hair, but now my brother, my, one, my brother in particular, you know, a couple of them had the long hair like that. You know, they were track stars in high school. They had no interest in looking like a girl. They had long hair, but they didn't look like a girl, and so, I mean, what's the, what's the length? I don't know, you know, but is your, is your desire to look like a girl, right? Well, that's the, that's the issue, right? Uh, and you go back uh, about Old Testament, about where it says that, that, you know, men shouldn't wear women's clothes, women shouldn't wear men's clothes. Well, what, what does that mean? You know, they say, well, women shouldn't wear pants. Well, technically, women were the ones who invented pants, right? I mean, if you go back in history, you know, they were the ones you know, doing a lot of the harvesting in the fields, and they were wearing dresses, and so they would, they would sew their dresses up to, to, so they could work better in the fields, and they invented pants, and so, uh, all of you men wearing pants are really look like women, you know, and so all of y'all wrong, right? So, I mean, what's the, what's the deal, right? So, the, the deal is just what it says, you don't want to dress like a woman, with the intent of looking like a, like a woman, right, or if you're, if you're a man, and the other way around, right, uh, uh, you know, if you're a woman, you don't need to dress with the intention of looking like a man. Now, that's an issue of the heart, right? Because we, we live in the New Testament. The issue is not so much on the outside. The issue is what's going on, on the inside. What's your intent, right? Uh, what's your goal and desire of those things? And so, uh, and if you leave, kind of leave it at that, well, then you don't have to come out with a ruler. Well, let me measure your, you know, how, how short is your skirt? How long is your hair? How, you know, uh, in, I mean, it's just, uh, we, we devolve into Old Testament Jewish legalism is what we do if we do that right because then we say well the hair has to be this long you know can't be over your ears I mean just whatever right I mean it's just it's just exhausting about how legalistic we can be what's your intent is your intent to look like a man if you're a woman then you need some help right if you're intent to look like a woman if you're a man then you need some help right needs to do some changing other than that I just don't really care you know just because the Bible doesn't care It it doesn't give you that minute of detail about what it actually means. What does that mean? Well, it means what it means, right? Are you trying to look like these things or if you're not? So, uh, so you do have to address things, and that's, that's the thing I like about doing verse-by-verse studies. You do have to address things that may be, uh, I, you know, I, for me personally, nothing's uncomfortable in the Word of God. But for some people, some things are uncomfortable, right? Some topics are uncomfortable. Verses are uncomfortable. If you go into a denominational church and you try to study 1 Corinthians 14, that's going to be really uncomfortable, right? They don't like all this tongues business, you know, because if you... Study First Corinthians fourteen, then you got to study, you know, Luke chapter twenty-four and Acts chapter one and two, and then you know, you know, Acts chapter ten, Acts chapter nineteen, and I mean, you've got to study do a lot of other studying if you're going to study 14, uh, 1 Corinthians fourteen. So, so all of that to say that you know, uh, it's it's good to hear things over and over again. Amen. I know from my personal, uh, from my personal as a minister that I, uh, it's rare that, that if I teach the same thing that I don't get more revelation the second time I teach it the third time I teach it. Uh, and, and, you know, I'll go back and dust off notes that I've got, you know, from many years ago and I'll, may preach those, but I'll go through all the notes and, uh, and I'll add a bunch of other scriptures or add a bunch of other comments in there uh, because these things are not static. They won't stay the same forever, amen? Uh, and so then, then uh, Paul says, beware. Beware of dogs Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Uh, and so, is he concerned about canines? Is he concerned about you know the, the uh, like my my dog Clark, right? Do I have to go and beware? You know, be, beware about my, my dog Clark. No, we we know what he's talking about. That he's talking about uh, that word dog there, especially for uh, people in the Middle East and that that uh, culture, being called a dog. You remember what Jesus called this the Syrophoenician woman, right? He said. Uh, it's not meat to give uh, the children's bread to the dogs uh, and so uh, in that context a dog is anybody outside the nation of Israel uh, and so but it was really just a negative term that was used uh, and somebody you didn't like right uh, and it wasn't just it wasn't just to those outside of Israel because here he's not talking about those outside of Israel because he's writing to a church that is already outside of Israel so he's not talking about gentiles he's just talking about anybody who's just A a sorry individual, Uh, and so he's telling the church to be be aware, be uh, uh, to beware of sorry people. Uh, And why is he telling the church to be aware uh, of sorry, to beware of sorry people? Because there's sorry people in the church, right? And it's a shame to to say that, but uh, uh, but that's. Uh, that's just the reality of the world that we live in, amen? It's just there's, there's always going to be some people uh, in the church because he's not, he can't be talking about the lost because we're called to go to the lost, right? We're literally called to preach the gospel to the lost. So if you're going to be aware of the people out there that are nasty people, that's who the gospel is supposed to be brought to is, you know, anybody. Oh, well, it's everybody, right? But it would include the nasty people, right? And, and I'm not going to find what nasty people means. Uh, but we all know it when we see it, right? Uh, it's not just about how often you take a bath, right? Uh, it's a spiritual issue, uh, and so this is this is really primarily because uh, if you look at the the whole context of this, uh, when he gets into evil workers and the concision, uh, then these are people that um, are causing problems in the church, right? Serious problems in the church, uh, and and he doesn't go into a lot of details specifically what they're doing, but we do have some other some other uh, details about. Um, people that Paul had run, run-ins with, and we're going to look at that here in just a minute. Um, and the evil workers is just that, right? People that are trying to do things that harm other people with the intention of harming other people. Uh, you know, I, I know one minister that I've talked to, uh, and they've told me that more than once, not just one time, but more than once, you know, they, they travel and they go to different churches as a traveling minister. They said that more than once, a pastor has uh, intentionally... Um, uh, taking money from them that didn't belong to them, right? They gave them some, hey, i got a great business deal. You need to invest with me, uh, and we're going to make a million dollars. And they have no intention of making a million dollars. They just have an intention of, of taking money from you. Now, a pastor from a church, right, standing behind a pulpit every day saying, God is good, you know, God loves you. Now, well, that is, you know, either a dog or an evil worker, right? Somebody who's working evil intent in the church. Uh, and uh, is, does that go on? goes on every day right uh, and you know and that's why it's really important uh, that a pastor should teach the people be led by the spirit of god amen if you're led by the spirit of god then you will minimize you know ideally you'll never you'll never be taken for uh, a ride ever again right uh, but you can at least minimize that amen and somebody can hey I, I, I have i got a sweet deal for you uh, and, you know i remember years ago when i was with my pastor there was a deacon from another church that, you know, we, we associated with the other church. You would go visit them, and they had special services and that sort of thing. And so one of the deacons there, he was some kind of investor, and he'd call my pastor up all the time. Hey, I've got a great, I've got a great investment for you. Nobody else is investing in this. You know, we're going to make a lot of money. Uh, and, uh, and so, and of course, this was before, I know this is hard to believe, this is before the Internet existed, right? There was a day that, that you know, the Internet is not eternal, right? It had a beginning, right? And so that makes, that makes it a creation. Uh, and so, but he would call me up and say, hey, you know, you know, do you know anything about this? Well, of course, I didn't know anything about that specific thing, but, but uh, uh, he would say, you know, he would talk about the huge returns on investment, you know, 25% return on your investment. And, and, you know, just from my perspective, I told him, I said, I said if that's true, why isn't this on every news channel, on every investment channel, and every newspaper that, that publishes these types of investments? Why wouldn't Why isn't that everywhere? Right? Why isn't everybody investing in this? It just It just seems shady, right? It's like condos in Belize or somewhere like that, right? We've got these great con. Well, has he been there? Does he know these things are real? You know, and so, and he he did that until I mean for many years until even my pastor passed away. Uh, and um, are there good deals out there? There's probably good deals out there. But, you know, but my spirit, if my spirit says run, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run, right? Um, because usually it's the case, it's not always the case, but usually the case, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true, right? On a rare occasion, that may not be the, the case, but, um, but there's, so many, uh, there's so many shenanigans that go on in the church, uh, even from the pulpit, right? Uh, And I I think I've told you before the the story where uh, Dr. Dufresne was going around back when they had those phone cards and a lot of pastors would get, it was a multi-level marketing deal. So if you get more people under you than everybody under you, you get a cut of what they sell. And if they get people under them, they get a cut of what they sell. And then, of course, the top guy gets a cut of everything. And so uh, they were going into churches and saying, pastors, if you sell these cards, you, you got a church of 300 people. You know, you can make a, an extra $200,000 a year. Just, you know, just like that. And I knew people, I knew ministers in, in uh, I didn't go to their church, but I knew pastors who were doing that. Uh, and um, the Lord told Dr. Dufresne, you put a stop to that. You go and tell him it's wrong. Because it's, it's wrong, right? It's wrong when, when I employ you to benefit me. Take advantage of, of your love for the pastor. Uh, and, and of course, you know, the pastors oftentimes preach really hard. You've got to do what I say regardless, you know. And, and it gets to be this, almost this cultish, you know, uh, uh, obedience to the pastor, you know, where, where it's out of balance. Amen. Uh, you know, if I say, here's what the word of God says, and that's what the word of God says, then you should obey that. Right. I mean, it's not me. It's the word of God telling you to obey that. Right. But if I say, you know, you should invest in that. Well, you got to do it, or you should buy this car. Well, you got to do that. No, you don't have to do that. You ain't got nothing. There's no Bible for that. Right. And if I tell you something that's not biblical, uh, in fact, I had one person call me up. They were all upset at me. They said, and they didn't ask the question, right? They started with an accusation. And I always encourage people, you know, don't start with an If you don't know, don't start with an accusation. Now, if you've got video, okay, fine, right? But if you don't know, don't start with the accusation. You're telling my wife, you know, put my kids in, in homeschool. You know, you don't need to be telling them that. I didn't tell nobody that. You know, I, I wouldn't say, you know, if someone comes and says, should I put my kids in homeschool? What, what, I mean, what business is that of mine, right? I may say, well, why do you want to do that? Uh, you know, I mean, do you have the money for I don't know, I don't I don't know anything about your circumstantial situation. or why you want to do it or when you want to do it. So I would be like, well, just whatever, the, you know, you just do whatever the Lord tells you to do. None of my business, right? I, I, it'd be really rare that I would say, oh, yeah, do that. Uh, because that, that gets into the will of God for your life. That, that It's not in you trying to fulfill the word of God because the word of God is already there it's, and it's settled. But things that are not covered in the word of God, that's between you and the Lord Jesus. You know, so should you send your kids to... to to homeschool or, or homeschool your children. None of my business. Now, I know ministers who get up and say, you've got to homeschool your kids. I know other ministers, homeschooling kids is so wrong. You know, you just think you're special to homeschooling your kids. And, and my perspective is, it ain't none of my business, right? If you do it, fine. If you don't do it, fine, right? I mean, it's, uh, um, and we understand, you know, right now we're living in a crazy world with the, all the crazy stuff going to kids. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, if, if I was to raise kids again I, I might do things differently you know I sent uh, well you know uh, at least two of them were in public schools uh, but again that's, that's really even if even though I sent my kids to private school or sent my kids to public school that's between me and the Lord Jesus right and, and unless the Lord Jesus appeared to be really rare for the Lord Jesus to tell me to tell you to do something like that right to, uh, now I know there is a there is the gift of spirit called the word of wisdom uh, but that's that really, you know, that, that doesn't get into that kind of detail, where right? Send your kids to this public school, that private school, whatever. Uh, it, it, could he do that? You know, possibly, but it'd be really, really rare. I mean, it'd be, it'd be exceedingly rare. And it'd have to be, you know, I mean, to me, it'd have to be, for me, it'd have to be like a burning bush, right, for the Lord to tell me to tell somebody that. Now, if I saw somebody doing something and the Lord said, that's going to end in disaster, you know, I would try to figure out some way to, to help them and, and be good to them. Because, you know, there is a mercy of the Lord <clears throat> that if you're going down a path and it's going to end in destruction or harm to you or to your family, and and you just won't listen to the Lord, you know, maybe you're just so involved in that thing and so excited about that thing, and not so much even in sin, but just, you know, you just think it's the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, you know, the Lord may say, hey, you know, reconsider that. You know, at least put a seed in there t- for you to to do something different, right? Uh, but there's been plenty of times when when you know. I may know things and I see somebody doing something and I know it's not going to be great. They're not going to die or get fat or, you know, n- nothing major like that. I-, I can't say anything. Well, what if I know it's, it's, it's not going to be great for them? I still won't say anything because then I become the Holy Ghost, right? Now, if the Lord tells me to do it, that, that's fine, right? But, you know, there's a lot of things that I know just from the natural perspective, you know, things that the Lord's given me wisdom about that I know that, you know... Um, might be helpful to somebody, and so and uh, the thing about it I don't have a law in that well i 'll never say anything to anybody, but I just I just i'm really careful i'm really careful about ever doing anything that would put me in between somebody and the Lord Jesus uh, to, to step into their life in that you know the Lord is merciful and he'll do that if, if mercy is needed, uh, and that's fine, and, and we're thankful for that uh, but um, but we've got to be careful about it. for me i've got to always uh judge my own heart what's my intent in saying that right would i profit from telling somebody something if if i would I'll, i won't say a thing ever i would never say anything that would turn to my profit amen that that, uh, that i'm going to be that i'm going to be enriched because hey you know if you invest in this you know then you're going to get this and then i'm then you know that i'm going to get better off you know that that would be that would be unethical right uh, and um you know, I was uh, you know, I was with my pastor one time, and I had a guy come in and said he wanted to clean the chairs, and he gave us a quote so much for the chairs, and I and so you know, I always like to hang it around. I would hang around the church and just listen to my pastor, and so uh, so the guys talking to him. So I'm you know I'm there in the conversation. You know, I'm not saying anything. I'm just listening, and, and the guy said, "Tell you what, you know, if you'll if you'll tell all the people um, in your church that I did this." Uh, he said, I'll do it for free. If you tell him about my name and, you know, advertise my business, you know, I'll I'll do it for free. Well, see, for the pastor to get up there, then he's going to tell you something that benefits the finances of the church without necessarily telling you that, you know, now if he told you the whole deal, maybe, hey, he said, if I tell you all this, he'll do this for free. That still seems kind of distasteful to me, right? it seems distasteful to me to get you to spend money so that the church can spend less money. That just, you know, now I got no problem with, with saying, hey, so-and-so in the church does this for a living or does this for, you know, that, that's fine, right? Because they're church members and, and, I'm, and I'm fine with doing that. Uh, but um, but if it's a quid pro quo, right, where it's if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, it's, it's distasteful to me. And, and that, you know, all the bells and whistles in my heart, Start going off, right? Hey, I can't do that. If I do that, that that's uh, that's not right. You know, you got to spend money so the church can save money. That's yeah, that, that's just. Uh, and so the, uh, the guy said that, and the pastor said, "You you need to leave right now." And the guys are, I didn't, I, you know, I uh, oh, what what did I do? I didn't mean to offend you. He didn't, you 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 didn't offend me. You just need to leave right now. And he just basically threw him out of the church, which he should have, right? And I'm glad he did that. It was a good example for me to watch that. Uh, and now I know other pastors you know, who just brag, Yeah, I just you know, I, I you know, they were telling me something cost so much and I said, This is the work of the Lord, you know, you gotta cut that in half and and I just told them, you know, we're not spending that money and so many things that that are just wrong in the church, right? Uh, and, and I know people that are do contract work that don't like working for churches because the church will be like you get all the work done, they go, We're not paying. You know, this is the Lord's money and we don't need to spend money on that. Even though they did the work, right? Uh and, uh, you know, the fellow did all the contract work for the church here. We've been working with him now since 2013, I guess almost 10 years, and got a great working relationship with him. The first time I asked him to, to quote a job, he was really hesitant. He said, I don't really like working for churches. He said, because they'll just nickel and dime every every step of the way. And every project, including this last one, you know, when we decide to do it, the Lord just kind of gives me a number about, about what it should cost, you know. And, and this one... You know, the Lord, uh, the Lord just wasn't like a voice, but just a, a revelation in my heart. You know, this is a, uh, about a $45,000 project, and we spent $47,000 on the renovation here. Uh, and and so, uh, so, let's, so when he tells me, I said, you know, hey, give me a quote. When he tells me if the quote's the same quote that I've got from the Lord, then that's what we do, right? Now, if he comes back in the quotes three times, he's like, okay, something's wrong here, right? But we've done, I don't know how many different projects, and every one of them, you know, it wasn't to the penny, but every one of them, you know, within a ballpark, a reasonable ballpark, it was uh, right on the money. Uh, and so, uh, so the, you know, the churches have a bad reputation. They shouldn't have a bad reputation. This church has a great reputation. We always pay our bills. Uh, in fact, I remember uh, even when we had our, the other church going, uh, we got a call from the landlord and said, Hey, uh, um, your rent check didn't come in this month, and... Um, he said, it always comes in. So we just figured something had to happen, right? And and I was traveling at the time, and I said, well, let me check. And sure enough, for whatever reason, I said, stop paying it after this month, right? And I, you know, why did I even do that? I don't know. You know, it was just one of those flukes. But uh, uh, so it wasn't an issue, right? And he knew it wasn't an issue, right? He didn't have to, hey, you need to pay. You're going to pay late fees. We didn't have to pay any late fees. Um, and so, uh, but the evil workers there are there are evil workers in the church and the reason i say that is because uh, we're going to look at just a few examples here of people that paul dealt with in the church that he talks about and you think about you know these people here um these are people uh documented in the word of god forever right that these people didn't do right uh, and they're in the church and so you know uh, i don't know if we'll go through all of them but uh I think it's good just to look at some examples here. So let's, we're in Philippians, turn over to Colossians, just one chapter over, um, or one book over. Colossians chapter 4, and so Paul talks about uh, this fellow here in uh, verse 14. Of course, Paul does uh, talk about a lot of different people. Uh, It says here, uh, Luke, and this is Colossians 4, verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So... Nothing, nothing wrong here, right? That looks good. Um, and um, uh, so the the point here is, uh, Demas there, uh, the, turn over a few books there to Philemon. Of course, Philemon only has one chapter, right? And um, in verse uh, twenty three, it says, uh, "There salute thee, uh, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, uh, Aristarchus." Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. So there's Demas again, uh, mentioned in high regard, right? To, uh, to, uh, uh, to the people, to Philemon here, particularly there. But then the last one turned us to Second Timothy. Now we're reading them in in chronological order, right? Not in biblical order. The 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 order of the books of the New Testament are not in the order that they were written in, as far as the date goes. And so. Uh, so Demas started out with a pretty good fellow here with Paul, but then we get the Second Timothy chapter four, and he says in verse uh, uh, verse nine, uh, "Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed into Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus uh, unto uh, uh, Dalmatia." Uh, so. So Demas started out with Paul. So apparently he was with Paul for many years, right? Because each of these books were, had uh, a time period of many years in between them, some several years in between them at least. Uh, and he started out pretty good. But here he says, Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world. Uh, and so what what did he let, well, we don't know all the details about it, but, um, uh, and and this isn't so bad, you know, I mean, Paul does talk a lot about it, but we read it in Philippians, right? That, that, uh uh, no one wants to do anything except for their own benefit, right? We just read that in chapter 2, but now Paul's naming names right here. Demas is one of the names that he mentioned that he loved this present world. So that's a, you know, wouldn't you love to have that recorded against your name in the, in the New Testament, right? Uh, he, he has forsaken me, having loved this present world. So, of course, you know, if you travel with Paul, it probably was not an easy life, right? You know, Paul said uh, that I learned how to be base, I learned how to abound, you know, and, and so... There were no doubt times of, of if you, other times he despaired even of life, right? So there, Paul's life as a as a missionary was not an easy one. You know, nowadays, you know, you're, you 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 think it's so hard because you have to fly, you know, an eight-hour flight to Africa, a ten-hour flight to Africa. You know, it's so hard. Well, go take a boat for three months to Africa, right? Uh, and, and see how hard that is. Eating oranges and you know potatoes or something for uh, for that whole trip. So. Uh, so Demas, you know, whatever he did, he forsook Paul, and uh, and he loved this present world. So, uh, from from reading from Paul, now, now see some people say, well, Paul, you know, was just being unkind to him. Well, did was Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit to say these things? You know, I believe he was right. Um, and so, uh, is it wrong to ever mention anybody's name in public? Paul mentioned this guy's name for the whole world to notice, right? Not just to the local church, but for the whole world to notice. Uh, wouldn't that be awesome to have your name like that right there, right? We all get excited when our name is the first two verses, right? Demas greets you, you know, in the name of the Lord. Now Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, right? So whatever whatever Demas had been doing, uh, you know, he forsook Paul, and it, the implication I get is that he loved the comfort of this world more than he loved the difficulty of being with Paul, right? Now that, that may not be exactly right, because we don't have all the details, but uh, but he loved this present world, right, the things in this world, and and of course, with Demas being around Paul, what did he get to see? He got to see the whole world, right, he got to see uh, Athens, he got to see Rome, you know, I mean, who knows what uh, all the different uh, trips that he may have went on with Paul, so he got to see a lot of the world that many people would never see, especially in, the, in their time frame, right, uh, and so, uh, so, you know, he forsook Paul, and he loved this present world, so, you know, uh, that's not a huge thing, he does get into some people that are that are really, really difficult here. Let's go over to the book of Acts and look at a couple of examples here. Acts chapter 13. So Acts chapter 13, uh, anybody remember when Paul got saved? What chapter did Paul get saved in? <laughs> We're to have an auction. Paul gets saved in Acts chapter 9, right? Uh, and so... Um, so here in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, it says, now there was in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and, and Menaean which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Of course, at this time, Saul was still, Paul was still called Saul. So this is chapter 13. Paul gets saved in chapter 9. So he's been, you know, the historians tell us about a year per chapter. Uh, and so it's been at least several years since Paul has been saved, right? And they've been going and doing some Traveling and the Bible calls him uh, uh, this group of people certain prophets and teachers. So, uh, if you look at all of Paul's writings, really Paul stood in the office of the prophet and the teacher. Right? He had the revelation, he did the teaching that's what he did as a, as a traveling minister. So, Paul was probably a prophet and a teacher here at this time. We know later on he gets promoted to become an apostle. So, you know, the, the thing I like about this verse is it shows us there is progression in in the lord right now that's not always the case some people will be teachers all of their life some people be pastors all of their life Uh, but some people will be promoted from one you know like philip the evangelist right philip started as a deacon philip started as a a christian right then he became a deacon then he became an evangelist one of the fivefold ministers so uh, so this is uh this is um uh, paul's uh instruction here or the spirit of god's instruction here to paul right so then we come down to um um let's see i was trying to find a, a particular a verse here um verse 13 there uh yeah so uh, we come down here to uh verse 13 so paul had been doing some traveling right here right and um uh, at this point in time uh, to verse 13 it says now when paul and his company loosed from paphos they came to perga in pamphylia and john departing from them returned to jerusalem so uh, they were traveling, and this fellow John left them, right? So this, whatever they, wherever they're going, and it says that he, uh, in verse 14, that when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch. So it's a different Antioch. That's, this Antioch in verse 14 is Antioch in Pisidia, and the other Antioch in verse 1 was, was uh, Antioch in um, uh, Syria, or that area. So, um, so there are two Antiochs mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, if uh, if it just says Antioch, then it's the one with the big church, right? This is just one of the places that Paul visited here. So that, anyway, they left verse 13. They were going to another place uh, to a different Antioch in verse 14. Uh, John didn't go with them. He left them. He went back to Jerusalem. Now, this particular John here is called John, and he's called Mark, and he's called John Mark, and so it's the same fellow here. And he appears to be uh, Barnabas's nephew. You know, we're not 100 sure because some of the the names for different relatives are unclear about exactly who they are uh, it could be a, a brother but it's most likely a, a nephew uh, and so so he left well why'd he leave well, I don't know you know he just left he, he didn't like traveling you know uh, his now his mother had a house in um, uh, in Jerusalem and, and um, in fact if you go back to chapter 12 In uh, verse 12, it says, When they had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So that's the same mark right there, right? That's the same mark there. So his mother had a house there in Jerusalem, and uh, that same mark here then was the same Mark or the same John that we see in in verse 13 and 14. So it sounds confusing, right? This guy left Paul. That's all you got to know, right? This guy left Paul, uh, and, and he shouldn't have left Paul. So, so now uh, they they're traveling, right? Barnabas and tra- Paul are traveling. Everything's going great. You know, they're they're having a great time. And we get down to uh, to chapter 15, then, end uh, of verse 36. There, it says, in some days after Paul, uh, in some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, "Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do." So this is several years after uh, John Mark left them, right? So now they've been traveling, going everywhere, and Barnabas is, is traveling with Paul. Everything's going great. You know, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, you know, they're doing good. This is in verse 37, and Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, same fellow, right? So, uh, okay, let's go. I'm going to take uh, John Mark with us. Uh, and... uh Verse 38, but Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them in Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So Barnabas said, let's take so-and-so. Paul said, no, we're not taking so-and-so. Well, who was the the senior minister here? Well, Paul was, right? And and Paul was, if you go back in other places, uh, where it says, um, let's see, I want to see up there. One place they they called... Um, yeah over there in chapter 14 it says in verse 12 and they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he Paul was the chief speaker so Paul was a chief minister right so he was the senior minister even though he wasn't as Christian as long as Barnabas was but still you know if the anointing is there then the anointing is there right and if the anointing is there then then who's ever got the most anointing wins well who decides who gets the most anointing well that's the Lord right He, he decides that and it was probably clear to everybody that Paul was a senior minister. Uh, and, and so, uh, uh, in fact, this was Paul's idea, right? Let's go and visit all the brethren in every city. Uh, and so Paul said, I don't want to do that. And it says in verse 39, And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul took, chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. Uh, and so now this is recorded in the word of God. There were two ministers, right, well-regarded, right? Barnabas was well-regarded. Well in fact, I think his name means son of, uh, uh, son of uh, um, conciliation or so, something to that effect. We can find it here after a while. Um, but uh, he was well-regarded, right, in, in the ministry. And so you know, we'll find that it and let you know what it means. But, uh, but he was well-regarded and so was Paul, right? And they would go and minister these places. And they've been been together for years. And they had a disagreement and separated ways. And so, you know, some people say, "Well, Paul was wrong." You know, Paul should yield to that. Well, you know, when I look at it, you know, my next question is, "Okay, uh, how many more times in the Book of Acts was Barnabas mentioned after this case?" You know, how many times? Zero. He disappeared, right? How many times was Paul mentioned in the Book of Acts after this case? The The whole rest of the book is about Paul, right? How many books of the Bible did Barnabas write? None, right? How many books did, did uh, Paul write? Well, two-thirds of the New Testament, right, as far as the epistles go. So, I mean, I would lean towards Paul being right. You know, he's a senior minister, uh, you know, uh, and he had a valid reason. The, the, You know, he's not dependable. He just left, right? Because that's what he said. He just left. He, he went not with him to the work. Uh, he deserted us, right? This is what, I got a footnote there. It says he, he deserted us. Uh, and so... So it wasn't like you know, hey, my mother's sick. I got to go take care of her. Oh yeah, no problem, right? It was like, yeah, this is really hard. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back home with my mom, right? Uh, and so, um, so you know, in my opinion, Paul wasn't wrong at all. He said, well, I don't want to take John Mark. So the question is, well, does, does that mean that, that John Mark is just is that over for the rest of his life? Is he just cut off forever? Uh, and, and so. Uh, and I think this particular story is a good example of, of uh, you know, people that need to grow up, right? And so John Mark needed to grow up, right? If you're going to do the work, do the work. If you're not going to do the work, don't 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 start, right? Paul, what did Jesus say? If you if you turn back, looking at the plow, he said you're not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and and so uh, we're there in in Book of Acts. Turn over to Second Timothy chapter four. <clears throat> So again, that we're reading this in uh, in chronological order. There, uh, in second uh, second uh, Timothy chapter four, it says in verse eleven, uh, it says, "Only Luke is with me." So that's the same Luke that we know about in the Book of Acts. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. So this is the same friend John Mark here, right? It's called Mark. It's called John. It's called John Mark. Uh, oftentimes, John, whose surname was Mark. Um, so, so now, several years after this, right? So Mark was traveling with them. He left. They traveled by themselves for several years. They're going to go off on another trip. Uh, Paul said, let's not take Mark. You know, he still hasn't grown up where we need to grow up. They get upset with each other. They go their separate ways. Barnabas disappears from history. Paul continues on and invents the kingdom of, of God. Now, did Barnabas do any good things? He probably did lots of wonderful things, right? Uh, because that was a disagreement at the human level, right? There was no book, chapter, and verse that says, thou shalt not take John Mark, right? Uh, It was based upon the circumstances and really what what was best for the work of the Lord, right? Uh, And so at that time, Paul felt it was the best for the work of the Lord not to take Mark. Barnabas disagreed with him uh, and here we are, right? But then later on, there's reconciliation. So that's the the whole point of this is that there's reconciliation here that uh, and, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe that uh, even Peter uh, mentions uh, Mark uh, somewhere along the way. I'll have to look back; it seems uh, like I recall uh, even Peter mentioning about him. Uh, but there's some reconciliation. So, to me, that, that this is a good, um, a good picture of, you know, sometimes you've got to uh, set people down, but they're not; are they? You just write them off forever you know, we don't write people off forever, right? People grow and they, they improve and they, they return to the Lord and uh, then, you know, you can reuse them, right? And so uh, it, it's uh, uh, we've, got, we've got to be careful. You know, I was talking to somebody just the other day. They were talking about uh, how somebody they knew had gotten divorced in the church and in and, and, um, and that denomination, if you're divorced, you can no longer serve in any capacity, right? You can't be a deacon or elder or anything like that, right? Forever, I mean, literally forever, right? Well, what if your wife left you? Right? You didn't do anything wrong. What if your wife just left you? Too bad, you're out of here, right? And, and you know, uh, ha, has uh, there ever been a divorce where at least one party is innocent? Well, sure. I mean, there. I mean, in the sense that that if if the spouse just leaves and you can't do anything about the spouse leaving, right? Are you innocent? Well, I mean, now, did they ever do anything wrong? I don't know, uh, but there are there. I'm sure there are plenty of cases where one spouse just backslides and walks out the door, right? And leaving the other spouse holding a bag and having done nothing wrong. Uh, now, I know nobody's perfect, obviously, right? But, there, and I've heard and know many stories like that where one spouse is not always a wife, not always a husband, but one spouse is just like, you know, I don't want this life. Uh, you, you go back even with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, John Wesley, you know, his wife was terrible, right? Somebody asked John Wesley one time about um, aren't you afraid of the devil? And he goes, no, I've been married to her, her sister for a long time, you know, I wouldn't be afraid of the devil. Uh, and, uh, and she was so mean to him, hated, you know, just never went, he traveled 10,000 hours, you know, on horseback, and never went to any of his meetings, none, none, zero, right? Now, they didn't get divorced, but, you know, uh, it, it, if you're just there in body, you know, marriage is spiritual in body, right? It's not, we are spiritual body body beings so marriage spirit soul and body right it's not we're, we're married in spirit because we serve the same lord right we're both christians we're the same soul because we are in agreement and same body because uh, if you join yourself physically with somebody then you're of one body that's what the bible says so the lord always intended the marriage covenant to be spirit soul and body amen well if you're only there in body and you know who knows what she was right she, well she wasn't there in soul she wasn't there in spirit more likely she wasn't there in body either, or is she married, right? Technically, illegally, you know, according to legalistic people she is, but from the Lord's perspective, has she violated her covenant agreement with her husband? I mean, it looks like it to me, right? So, um, so, anyway, it's, uh, but my, my, my point in that is, it's funny how churches will take your money, but they won't let you serve. You know, if you're in divorce, you know, uh, I'll take your check, yeah, give me your cash, you know, but, uh, oh, you can't, you can't, oh, you can't, you can't be an usher. You can't be a deacon, right? Uh, but we'll take your money. But you can't be a deacon. Uh, just some something seems wrong with that to me, right? Your money is more valuable than you. Well, that's not right. Surely you're as a human being created in an the image and likeness of God is more valuable than than money. Is is repentance not available? You know, I mean, if you if you if you actually got a divorce, and even if you was wrong, you know, if you just like I just didn't like it, rolled over and go, nah, I'm over, I'm done with this, right? You know, I mean, you know. I told you, when I was in kindergarten, my girlfriend came to school wearing pigtails. I cut her off. That was it, you know? Well, you know, I'm glad I didn't do that after I got married, right? You ever wore pigtails? See? So far, so good, right? 33 years, no pigtails? But, you know, I would encourage my wife, don't try Don't, you know, roll over, and they just got pigtails, I can't, I, I can't tell you what's going to happen, right, honey? I just can't tell you. you know? I mean, just, it might be over, right? Uh, and so... Well, what if you did that? Is there, any, is there any repentance in that? Can you not get forgiveness for that? I just, I just you know, people get these things and, 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 and somehow divorce is an odd sin, right? Because if, if you do it with the wrong intention, you're in sin, right? I mean, if you just walk in one day and go, honey, you know, that's the last biscuit you have burned, you're out of here, right? Um, well, that would be sin, right? That would be sin to put your wife out because you burned a biscuit, right? Because, I mean that was the case uh, first year of marriage you know there was a few biscuits that burned you know uh, now now she is a great biscuit maker now you know right? but uh, uh well, we won't go into a lot of details about that but uh um, but uh, you know if, if that if i if i threw her out the door because of burning a biscuit i'd be wrong wouldn't i right but could i ever repent from that is is there not any way to repent from from that sin know now is that a license to go and just divorce all you want to well it's not but i mean Surely, there's surely there there is uh, a path back to uh, being right with the Lord after after because divorce to me, you know, there are plenty of Christians who get divorced and it's just like you know I just don't want to be with them anymore. They're not they don't hate each other. They haven't thrown any frying pans. Now they're wrong, right? 100% wrong because the love of God never expires, right? But people say that, you know I don't love you anymore. That's a lie. You're not, you know, but let's just say that that you know there was no. There was no adultery. there's no fornication. There was no, you know, cheating on the taxes or, you know, hiding the cookies. You know, there's none, none of that, none of that going on. And they just go separate ways and they get a divorce. Uh, and, and is that sin? I believe it's 100% sin because they violated a covenant that they made, right? With, with a human being on the earth, they, made, they violated a covenant. Is there not any repentance from that? Is there not any recovery from that for a human being? Is that person right there? Can they never grow? And realize, you know, what I did was wrong. And, Lord, can you not forgive me? Can the Lord not forgive him for that? And if he forgives him for that, if the Lord forgives him, why can't we? Surely the Lord will forgive a divorced person, right? Now, people say, you're, you're giving a license to, to sin. I'm not giving it. I mean, if you say the Lord forgives, well, then you give it a license to sin all you want to. Well, does the Lord forgive? He surely forgives. Does that give you a license to just sin all you want to? Well, no, because it's foolish to, to sin all you want to. Because you, every time you sin, you open up the door to the devil. Does he have a a legal right by your hand to come in and and, and, um, bring anything into your life that he's able to bring into your life? He is. And so I would encourage you, don't sin, because every time you sin, Paul told the Ephesians, don't uh, give place to the devil, neither give place to the devil. And every time you sin, what are you doing? You're giving place to the devil. So it it never pays to sin. And so I don't know how we got off on all all that there, but... uh, uh, but well, the point is that you know Mark was able to recover himself, right? Yeah. And I have seen people that will cut people forever. You know, you're dead to me mm-hmm. in the church. Sometimes you know you're you're dead to the church, but you need to make sure you continue to tithe. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, you know, uh, it, it, my counsel would be if if you, if a person is not good enough to serve, you know, you can't take their money. Now look, if they're in open sin and you work with them, that's that's a different thing, right? But you know, what if they are in open sin and they and then they um, uh, and then they repent? Well, then you can use them, right? I mean, there's been people that I knew in open sin, and um, I couldn't use them in the church. And I talked to them, you know, one on one. I talked to them, right? And I said, just keep coming to church, no problem. You know, I mean, you, you know, we'll get the word in you. We'll get you to where you be. You need to be. I said, you know, and we. Agree. Now, it was it was uh, his. Uh, we were in agreement, right? He agreed he was in sin. I agreed he was in sin, right? It wasn't like, well, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. He, he knew what he was doing was wrong. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like uh, we were in disagreement. He knew what he was doing was wrong. Well, do we shoot people like that? Do we just get out of here, right? Uh, you know, look, there's a balance to everything, right? What if he's coming in here and saying, I'm sinning and you all should be like me. What should you do about that? Throw them out of the church, right? If they started influencing people, and say, hey, I'm sinning, I'm getting away with it, so you should too. Well, then you've gotta, got to remove it, right? But how many people in the church you reckon have got any unresolved sin in any given church, in any given day? Unresolved sin that you know is wrong. Nobody else in the world knows you're doing it, right? Maybe you ate that third cookie every night. Nobody's knowing it, right? Maybe the Lord told you to quit eating you know, uh, ice cream you know, after 10 p.m. Well, I, just, I just took one scoop. Well, only the Lord knows that, right? It's still sin, right, if the Lord told you not to do it. So, you know, I just, if, if, if people ever think I'm giving anybody a license for sin, they've already been trying to get that license anyway, right? I'm not going to help them either way. Uh, to me, from my perspective, if your goal is to sin, you might want to check on whether you're ever saved to begin with, amen, if that's your goal. Uh, and so, and if you're so flippant about it, well, it doesn't matter, you know. You might want to check up on your, if you're saved or not. Because it should matter, right? Every sin should matter. Every infraction the Lord shows you that's wrong, it should matter. And, and, and I understand this, you know, that in, in every divorce situation, uh, if the love of God was really in, in, uh, active in both of those people, there would never be a divorce ever again, right? If two Christians were both walking in the love of God, there would be another, never be another divorce in the body of Christ. So clearly there's a failure somewhere in the love of God. Either one party uh, or the other party, or in both parties, but somebody has stopped walking in the love of God. Uh, if there's if there's divorce going on uh, in a marriage, uh, because the love of God will fix everything. Amen. If you got up every day and confess First uh, uh, Corinthians thirteen in the Amplified version, verses five through eight in the Amplified version, there would be never no, there would never be another divorce in the body of Christ ever. Right, uh, and so, um, but is there can you ever recover from that? I think surely you can. I just, uh, from the word of God, I just um, I just can't see uh, how you cannot recover from that. Because the reason why people use uh, divorce specifically is from uh, primarily from 1 Timothy chapter 3, where it says that a deacon should be the husband of one wife. But if a divorced person gets remarried, how many wives are they married to? One wife, right? They're not married to two wives at a time, right? Uh, and so... Uh, and, and, you know, we spent about six, six or eight months going over marriage and divorce here on a Wednesday night. Uh, and there's um, a, a lot more to that. Uh, really, from, from, from my from reading the Word of God is just walk in the love of God, everything's fine, right? There will never be a divorce again. Uh, and that fixes everything. The love of God will fix everything in that. Uh, and so, um, in all of these cases, the answer to what should you do is always the same. It depends on the circumstance, right? You can't make a law that if someone leaves the work of God and goes back home to Jerusalem to be with his mom just because he's more comfortable there, that they're off forever. You write them off forever because that's not the case with Mark, right? And so you've got to be careful of making these sweeping things that if somebody gets a divorce, they're off the list forever to, to serve the Lord. I just, you know, I just, you think about Taking an entire human life and saying that human life is of no value ever again on this earth. That's really a harsh, that's really a harsh sentence to somebody, right? Even if they were completely guilty and, and did, did the divorce on their own out of the will of God, right? If they were the one guilty of the the divorcing and their spouse didn't want to do it. uh, And, you know, what do you do? Well, I think it depends, right? It depends. It it always depends, right? Uh, And so, I would never make a law that if, if you've committed this particular sin that you're off, you know, and there's some things you know that probably is worthy of that. If it's sin things deal with the children. yeah, you know just you to go somewhere else, right? Don't be anywhere near children. Uh, there's some things like that I think are reasonable, but uh, something like this, you know, uh, I don't have a law. Now if that makes anybody mad, I'm sorry, you know, I, I just can't find in the word of God that there's a law like that that that, that person's life from now till forever is of no value to the Lord. Amen? Uh, and, and so, because so, Mark recovered, surely forsaking the work of the Lord, because Jesus said, if you turn back from the plow, you're, no, you're not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty serious, you know, uh, statement there from the Lord. But, could they ever recover from that? Well, surely they could. Mark recovered from that, right? So, uh, the disagreement, though, caused Barnabas to separate from Paul. And, um, I just, you know, uh, to me, uh, you know, like uh, the Lord's always had me hook up with Brother Randy for, uh, for many years, you know, so for about to the last 12 years. Uh, you know, if Brother Randy said, you know, I really, I really like, you know, uh, uh, Ford vehicles. You know, now nah, I really don't care. But, you know, some people are like, you're out of here, right? Because that's not a doctrinal issue, Right. It's not, you know, uh, you know. I don't think we should wear ties. Well, would that be enough to, to separate me and, and Brother Randy, you know? You now, he still wears a tie, right? But some ministers aren't wearing ties anymore. Is that enough to separate me and, and Brother Randy because he decides not to wear a tie? Now, he does, or he still wears a tie, but is there any book, chapter, and verse for that? Was there any book, chapter, and verse for not taking Mark? No, it's not a doctrinal issue. just, you know, we think that at this point in time, it's not a wise thing to do. Uh, so you know, now, if he got up and said, Jesus isn't Lord, or some crazy thing like that, or, you know, the Holy Spirit's not really here anymore, and we don't need really to speak in tongues, you know, that's going to really strain our relationship, right, <laughs> because that's a doctrinal issue, right, and and I, and I can't get past that, right, but uh, some things, you know, there, in fact, there was one minister for years uh, and this will go um, <clears throat> uh, when we were with uh, Dr. DeFran's group, you know, he had a lot of ministers that were, that were kind of, uh, you know, with him, and and either travel with him or went to his meetings. You know, we were one of the many, right? Hundreds of them that were there. Uh, and, uh, and we got connected with one particular minister. And uh, this one particular minister really was big on the doctrine of spiritual sons, right? Spiritual sons. Now, is that a doctrine? Well, it is a doctrine, right? Because Paul said, my son, Timothy, right? My son in a faith, Timothy. So it's that's a, that's a valid doctrine. How much, how much Bible is there related to that? Not much, right? But there is some, and so, uh, uh, and really, you know, it's it's healthy for Christians to have spiritual fathers, right? Uh, and so, uh, is it an absolute requirement? I don't see that as an, if it was, then that's up there with salvation. It can't be an absolute requirement because then that would be equal to salvation. So I don't, I don't really see that. But uh, but it's healthy to have some spiritual legacy, right? Where did you come from? You know, where did you learn what you learned, and type of thing. And so. But I never sensed that, you know, he should be my spiritual father, right, because, I mean, I've got Brother Hagin, my, 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 um, I've got uh, my pastor, you know, and of course, I was with Dr. Friend at that time, so, you know, I, had, I felt like I had a pretty good legacy, right? Uh, and it's never sensed that, you know, and some people you sense, you know, like Brother Randy, I've sensed that, you know, he, he's my senior uh, minister, right, and really, you know, uh, I mean, I've been saved for a long time before I knew him, so does that make him my spiritual father? Well, he didn't birth me into the kingdom, you know, he's not really, he didn't really establish the doctrine that I know, you know, it really came from Brother Hagen, but, you know, I consider him really my spiritual father in the sense that he's someone that I follow and I look up to, that, that uh, I desire to have the same character that he has, and that's, that type of thing. Um, but for this one, I didn't, never sense that, right? Well, is there anything wrong with that? You know, but, you know, he, he kept trying to get me to do that, right? And, 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 and you were there for a lot of those meetings, right? I'd go to some of his meetings and and everybody there was a spiritual son except for me, and they would take a picture of everybody with except for me in the picture, you know, and it would be like, this is really odd. This is really, kind of weird, you know. I don't care, you know, but it's really weird. And, and so, but th- did that separate me? No, I mean, it's like, look, fine, you know, whatever. You know, the, the service is good, the boards are good. Uh, and, um, but then some other things, we don't have time to go into everything, but then some other things transpired, some events transpired. And then he started calling me out in public, you know, um, you know, I'd like to thank all my spiritual sons are here. Well, you know, except for Pastor Chip, he's not a spiritual son. You know, but with almost a tone, right? Of, and he should be, but he's not, right? And so, so then we start crossing the line, right? Now he's, now he's, you know, starting me calling and rebuking me publicly for something that's not a biblical doctrine, right? I mean, there is a biblical doctrine of that, but there's no biblical doctrine that you have to be my spiritual son, right? That's by the Holy Spirit. So you can't rebuke somebody because they think that. Well, the will of God for you is this. Well, you know that more than I know that? How would you know that more than I know that? Uh, and so, um, so, after a while, it just got the weight of him rebuking me in the service got to be like, it's not really worth the effort, you know. Uh, and so we parted ways, right? And I'm not mad at him, right? I mean, you know. But, you know, I just didn't need to be rebuked every time I uh, went to a service for something I hadn't even done wrong, right? And so... So you know, there's sometimes you do separate yourselves, and and and, uh, and those things happen, right? So, uh, so, but just like with Mark, could there ever be redemption? Well, yeah. I mean, I got nothing against anybody. Uh, you know, if the Lord says go to the go to the meeting, I'd go to their meeting. I mean, no problem at all, right? Uh, and so, so the whole point point of this, you know, that when we after this one, we start turning the curve here, and some of these other people Paul talked about, people that have done really bad, right? Uh, and they, they, you know, I don't believe really these guys have fallen in the, in the list of dogs or evil workers, but the next group of people kind of do. So, yeah, I just want to give you the kind of, at least there's, you know, some things can happen, you know, that uh, are a conflict in the body of Christ. And, and all these things are written in the Word of God. Why, why do you think the Lord in, uh, put these things in the Word of God? Because that's the world we live in. There's separation. Sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes it shouldn't happen. Sometimes it's caused by one person, but not the other person that's life right things happen uh, and and our job as Christians would be to strive to always walk in love amen because we I, I believe I walked in love a long time long past the expiration date with this one minister you know trying to you know uh, you know not make amends because I hadn't done anything wrong but just you know show them that hey I, you know, uh, I'm okay right you know uh, uh, you know we could talk because I could talk about anything I mean you could say hey how come you aren't my spiritual son and I don't have sense to Uh, an unction by the Lord to put you in that position in my life, you know. Uh, And besides that, I mean, to be honest, if they would do that, that's not something I want to do, right? I don't want to be the person who rebukes you because you don't do what I think you should do, publicly. That's not something I want to add to my life. So, I want people to be over me like Brother Randy. I want, in fact, I was uh, just talking to the Lord about this the other day, but, you know, the character that Brother Randy lives in, you know, I go to lunch with him, you know, I, uh, you know, I spend time with him, and I see his character, you know, in my opinion, right, now of course, you know, uh, this is not a paid advertisement or anything like that, uh, but in my opinion, he's got just phenomenal character, and I want to be like that, right, that's the person I want to be, I want to be that, right, it's not that he flies an airplane, and he's got this big ministry, yeah, it's it's his character, I want that character, I want that in my life, that's, you know, that's what I want in my life, so this other, other minister, I'm like, well, you've got some knowledge, right, and some things that are good, some doctrine, but I don't like that character. I don't want that character. And they would say things like, if, you, if you've got a small church, it's already dead. God would, never, uh, God would never prosper a storefront church. You know, I don't want those in my life because those aren't true. They're not, they're not correct, right? Uh, and so, you know, the, after a while, the weight of, you know, I can't, I can't hook up with those things. Just got to be where it, it wasn't worth the effort to me, Right. And uh, that's like brother Randy, you know uh, he stuck with me right uh, and so so anyway it's uh, uh life happens amen. our job is to walk in love and, uh, and, and uh, I'm not easily swayed by um, events right I was with my pastor for twenty years, never left right and it wasn't easy, but if the Lord says stay, if the Lord had told me to stay with that minister, I'd still be there right uh, I'm not agreed with every every doctrine of every minister I've ever followed. You know, when Dr. Dufresne was here, I didn't agree with every single doctrine he said. And Brother Randy, you know, there's probably one or two things that we disagree on. Not, I mean, not being like, you know, fighting mad kind of thing, but, you know, just we see things slightly differently. And to be honest, Brother Hagin's the only minister I know of that I, I look at his doctrine, I, thought, I can't find anything I disagree with. Except one minor thing, I think one time he said, he said, I never see a reason ever to wear shorts, ever. Okay. I, personally, I disagree with that, right? Uh, uh, now, you know, well, I agree with that. Fine, you know, you know, but um, that and that's really the only thing. That's the only thing I can think of. You know, you I just never see a reason to wear shorts. Like, what do you, you mow the yard with, right? You wear uh, some people wear a suit, I guess, when they mow the yard. I don't know, but uh, uh, and so, um, but anyway, um, maybe takes a bath with his blue jeans on. I don't know, but uh, uh, so. <laughs> is that a, is that an issue that I should separate myself from brother Hagen because he doesn 't believe he should wear shorts? Well, I know you know uh, am I right and he's wrong i wouldn't say that I just you know he believes that I believe that is there any book chapter and says thou shalt not wear shorts no so we can't we can't be adamant about it there's no there's literally no Bible for it is there amen so, uh, so i 'm not going to separate from brother Hagen because he, he he doesn't uh believe he should wear shorts amen uh, uh, and um uh, so praise God. I, I hope we got the point across in this. Amen. I know um, these things are can be difficult sometimes to go through because there's no law, right? There's no rule that says if somebody leaves you, you cut them off forever, or if somebody leaves you, you keep bringing them back forever. There's no law. You don't. You don't know what to do. You do whatever the Spirit of God tells you to do, right? Uh, yeah. And um, and then you leave it at that. You walk in love. You do what the Spirit of God tells you to do as long as it doesn't violate the Word of God, and you're always good, amen? Uh, and make sure that whatever you decide to do, it doesn't violate any principles of the Word of God, and then you're always safe, amen? Uh, and so, let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word today. And so, Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for blessing us each and every day. And, Father, we, we see in Your Word that there's, uh, even in the, in the ministers, Father, well-known, world-known ministers, Father, there's conflict. And so, Father, nothing's changed in the church, in your church, even today, Father. There's still conflict in your church. And so, Father, our our desire is for us to always walk in love, is to always walk in wisdom, and to walk in grace, Father, and forgiveness. And if we do that, Father, we'll always be okay. And, Father, in in the situations where there is separation or there's conflict, Father, we will resolve it to the very best of your word and by your spirit. Uh, And if we can resolve it, sometimes with other people, the conflict can't be resolved in their heart. And so, Father, sometimes there is separation, but uh, we have no desire for that. We're not trying to do it. We're not striving for separation, Father. We desire to follow your word. And so, look, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for your spirit and, and the, the, the love of God that's shed abroad on our hearts. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Are we mad at anybody, Chris? Because she was in a lot of the same meetings, right? Uh, that, uh, that her husband was getting called out publicly, right? Uh, uh, by another minister, right? Uh, that's tough right there. And it'd be one thing if I'd been like, you know, cheating on taxes or, you know, something, right? You know, worthy of, of public disdain. But uh, because I didn't call him my spiritual father, I'm, you know, I'm a pariah. And, you know, I just, I can't, uh, I don't know. I don't want that in my life. I don't want to add that to my life, right? You want me to call out some of you all? Well, that right, you? No, right there. Well, you right there. you know. Now, Paul, did Paul name names? Paul named names, right? So people say, you should never call out names. Paul did, right? Now, I have never called out a name publicly. I don't guess have I, right? Never called out a name publicly. Don't ever see a need to. If I can resolve it uh, uh, in private, that's always my goal, right? And I assume and I, pre- and I hope that Paul tried to resolve these things in private, but I don't know, you know? Uh, Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this evening's offering. I know one time that uh, there was a pastor, he was having some special meetings, and uh, he had a song leader, and um, uh, the song leader kept singing this one song, and the pastor said, hey, don't don't sing that song anymore. I don't like that song. Have we ever cut off songs? We cut one just off the other day, right? Never sing that song again. Uh, And uh, it's off the list. Uh, And that happens, right? Sometimes you sing a song, it's like, it ain't there, it ain't there, right? You got sometimes one or two Verses just, it just ain't got it right. So we move on. Amen. Uh, and so, so if I told my wife, "Don't sing that song anymore," and she got up and sang the song the next Sunday, well, that's that's direct rebellion, right? I mean, uh, and um, well, that's what, the, come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. Well, that's what this fella did. Pastors, don't sing that song anymore. And he got up, sang the song, and in, a, in a, like a like a special meeting, right, like a revival meeting. Well, well, why would he do that? Well, he figured, well, the pastor won't call me down because it's a special meeting, right? But right in the middle of the song, the pastor said, hey, 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 I told you not to sing that song anymore. Well, now some people think, well, you're wrong. He was wrong, but he was 100% right. Because, I mean, he was doing it out of direct rebellion, right? With the intention of, of getting, because he liked that song. Well, he liked the song more than he liked submitting to the Lord, right? I mean, you know, that's, you got to really like a song to love that song more than you love the Lord, right? Uh, and so, uh, so some people say, you know, well, you shouldn't have done that. Well, he tried to do it in pub and private, right? The guy that wasn't having it. And so, uh, fortunately, you know, uh, I know the song later pretty well. And, and uh, 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 we have a good working relationship, right? And So, praise God. We'll be blessed. Uh, we got uh, prayer Friday night, right? Mm-hmm. Prior... Um, there's three CDs back there in that Love of God thing that you mentioned. Like, oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've got a bunch of CDs back there from, like, Brother Hagan and Brother Randy and... and um, uh, a few other ministers back there. Those are all free. I don't ever listen to CDs anymore. I put them on my computer and then, and then uh, get them somewhere else, but uh, get them off my phone. Uh, so back there. And yeah, if you want that Love of God, Amplified Version, verses 5 through 8, get it. Stick it on your refrigerator, you know, duct tape it to your forehead, whatever you need to do. But uh, it's really helpful to read that, you know. Uh, if you want to walk in love, read the Amplified Bible there, right? And then prayer Friday night, 7 o'clock right here. All right, right. be blessed. We'll see you on Friday.